Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to a special episode of Queer I Am, the podcast, where I'm talking with the incredible author Harry Nicholas about their new book, A Trans Man Walks Into a Gay Bar. So today is publication day for Harry and I've been very lucky to speak to them not just once but twice this week as they've appeared on episode three of Queer I Am, the podcast, live and unscripted, where we've been talking about queer sex. But having read the book, I just felt I needed to have a complete interview with Harry talking about this incredible book that they've written and um, why you should read it. So the book is honest, vulnerable, raw, and it doesn't shy away from topics that I feel will be so relatable, not only for the trans community, but all areas of the queer community. I think it's also helpful and educational for our allies as it talks about difficult subject matters and highlights why it's important to keep the conversation going. Please go and get yourself a copy of this book. You will not be disappointed. It's available in all good bookshops, but please go and try and support the amazing queer bookshops out there as well. So big thank you to Harry. I'm so excited for you and I cannot wait to see what is coming next. I hope you enjoy the interview. So whatever you're up to, this is your time to settle down, relax and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Queer I Am. Hi, Harry. Welcome to Queer I Am, the podcast. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Second time in one week. I think I've never, I've never interviewed the same person in in one week, but I felt like I just needed to talk to you again about this book because it was just so brilliant. And um, yeah, and happy publication day. So how does it feel for the book to finally be out there after such a long time of writing and promotion and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's exciting. Um, you know, not much actually changes on publication day itself. You just kind of sit there like, oh, it's out in it's the world. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been a really exciting process so far. And I was thinking this morning um, that, you know, I remember a year ago when I was writing it, it was like 4 a.m. in the morning and I was like just getting to the last bit and like how exhausting it felt. And to mm. finally have it out now and people will be able to see it is incredible. So yeah, I'm very pleased. Uh, and you've got so much support as well like there's so many people posting about it and publications and it's it's amazing I think it's clearly needed and I want to talk to you a bit about that in a minute but I'm going to ask you the same question I asked on uh, Monday so first of all did you enjoy Monday evening 
Yes, it was great. I really, really enjoyed it. It was nice to um, share a platform with other people and yeah. talk about their sex very candidly and have loads of different perspectives as well um, and different experiences. I think it just speaks to the richness of queer lives generally. So, yeah, yeah I'm really excited. Thank you very much for having me. No, it was amazing. I'm always exhausted the day after a live <laughs> show. And I, I don't know how, like, theatre performers or musicians do, like, gig after gig because... I don't know, maybe it's because like you're listening intently and you're thinking of questions and all that kind of stuff. But the next day, I'm just like steamrolled. I'm like so tired. So it took me about six hours on Tuesday to kind of recover. But I had an amazing night. It was so much fun. And as you said, a really candid and open conversation, which was just lovely. Yeah, it took me a while to recover as well. But I feel like that might have been the gym. <laughs> yeah, completely. I had a couple. I actually went to the pub afterwards and I had one drink and then I was like, I, I need to go home. I need some like chicken nuggets and some food and just, yeah, I need to go and kind of like chill. Um, but yeah, it was really cool. So the question I'm going to ask you is, and I guess, I don't know if this will change from the other night, but what is your song of the day? It's publication day. So do you have a particular thing going through your head or? Ooh. Oh, good question. <laughs> it's always catch me off guard. I actually have a going to the gay bar playlist. Okay. Um, which I put together for publication because I've got um, a couple of events coming up at the gay bar and everyone, um, they were saying, well, they were saying, my uh, marketing team were saying um, if they'd like me to put them together. So I'm just going to look at my going to the gay bar playlist on Spotify. Nice. And, uh, is this so available what, to share as well? Yeah, it is. Amazing. So what, what have we got? Relax. Frankie goes to Hollywood. I don't feel very relaxed. Push the button, maybe. Um Maybe You Make Me Feel by Sylvester, actually. Okay. I think that's, uh, or maybe Freedom. Actually, we'll go with Freedom by George Michael. George Michael, amazing. Um, because it's it's free. It's, out in the, well, it's not free. You have to buy it. No, you have to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Some people may have got it for free for promotion, but you definitely yes. need to go out there and buy it. And we'll talk about <laughs> where they can get the book from as well. Um, but I think everyone was really excited on Monday night to be able to get a, an early copy, um, which was really awesome. And they went really, really quickly. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's really exciting. So for anyone that hasn't heard of this book, and clearly they've been living under a rock, but if they haven't heard about this book, can you tell us a bit about what it's about? Yes, so it's called A Trans Man Walks Into a Gay Bar, and it is about exactly that. I am a trans man, and um, I'm also gay. And so the book looks at those intersections um, between trans masculinity and gayness, and the kind of contradictions and um, nuances, I guess, that comes up throughout. So one example that comes in fairly early on in the book is my first like gay boy night out. And I discuss... Um, kind of what it is like to be a trans person in those spaces because being a gay man or a cis gay man um you'd go in those spaces and clubs because you don't want to come out like you mm. can make a fairly accurate assumption that the majority of people in that space will also be gay and it's a place to be free and you don't necessarily have to explain yourself but as a trans person getting off and dancing with people in those spaces you do have to come out because you're you know cis until you say otherwise or mm. you're um expected to be cis until until otherwise so um i guess it's about that the additional layers that comes from those communities the joys but also some of the struggles and things that i think we still need to address mm. uh, so yeah that's that's it in a nutshell it follows my life from when i had a breakup uh with my ex-girlfriend realized that i was gay um navigate dating and sex on premises spaces um gay saunas coming out everything um till where i am now 
it's so I mean it is so exciting and I've kind of I said this on my Insta last night but I think it's so honest and raw and vulnerable and I really appreciate that, that as a queer person because I think we have to keep the conversations going but also it enables everyone to understand people's experiences and I think you've you've done that so well in the book it just it's it's so raw and so vulnerable but also really beautifully written as well and I, I absolutely loved it I think something you've just touched upon actually which I find really interesting is for if you come out as gay and you're not trans and you go into a straight environment so I don't know a straight pub or whatever I think we have a filter but what you're talking about is actually you still have that filter as a gay man being trans going into a gay space so it's like an added layer of complexity isn't it and it's I guess it's quite exhausting I mean do you, would you agree with that? Sort of I mean I I do feel very comfortable going to those spaces I mean I'm a white trans guy I there are multiple intersections which I maybe have a different experience to me but um I guess I guess these difficulties come around like when I'm at the bar and I feel like I'm getting pushed out of the way because I'm small or short and mm-hmm. um I used to find that a lot when I was presenting as a woman being pushed out of gay spaces um, or being pushed to the side at bars and stuff because like, I was just not seen um, mm. as a woman. And then when I started to be read more as male, it started like I was being seen again for the first time. It's like my maleness was kind of like a currency. Mm-hmm. So it's been really interesting to find um, those differences in terms mm. of how I've presented to the world, being the same person and how I've been treated very differently in those spaces. But largely now I feel very comfortable in those spaces. I've, um, I do feel like the love for queer spaces is palatable within the book, um, mm-hmm. specifically like the Royal Vauxhall Tavern, which is so trans-inclusive and make like a real effort to do that. Um, so yeah, I think it's palpable. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I love a, I love a gay night out more than, yeah. more than most, I think. Well, I found my heaven living in Brighton because, you know, I lived in a rural county growing up and we just didn't really have, I think we had like, we had one gay bar, which then turned into a cis straight bar, and then they had like a gay night. And so it was always a bit like, you always felt like, okay, what's it going to be like? Um, but then I guess I moved here and it's just kind of liberating and it's everywhere. And it's, I think those, you don't kind of realize how much you need those spaces until you start using them and mm. you realize actually the sense of community and sometimes not, but generally the sense of community and the sense of feeling, feeling safe. Whereas I guess if you go to spaces that aren't typically, um you know queer focused i do feel there is always like this kind of i felt growing up always like a bit of a guard and like you know is everything okay and who's going to find out what's someone going to say to me you're always on kind of high alert um but i'm a little bit older than you harry so maybe that's just my experiences from the noughties or something i don't know but i mean i um, i I went to this I, i don't think i've ever really been to like a straight club (laughs) <laughs> I've been very okay. lucky. Um but <laughs> I did go to like my friend's birthday, which was uh like a bingo thing. And right. that was a very like straight space, a place where I think, you know, groups of like hens would go. And it was just wild to me. Like the music, the shoes, I was like, what is going on? I don't really understand. Like I just it, it was it felt completely alien to everything that I would I would imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I guess that's my only experience of being like a straight space. It's just not somewhere that I would tend would go. to want to be. And I here. wouldn't now, absolutely not. I mean, you know, I, I guess I would if I was going with friends or if I felt comfortable or if it was depending on what the event was. But 
for a, a choice of night out, I mean, I'm, I'm now a sport in Brighton, so, so absolutely not. I would, you know, that wouldn't be my first choice. But I remember, it's funny actually just thinking about it, like 18 going to, we had Liquid, which I think then turned into like Envy or something in, in Ipswich where I'm from. And when you went out, you didn't like dress like you dress now. You had to wear trousers and shoes and <laughs> these like shirts. So I'd wear these really like normative kind of outfits from Top Man. Like maybe the shirts were a bit two-tone, but um, I was on heavy acne medication and sw- I used to sweat a lot. So at the time I probably looked really, really unattractive. But it's it's just so funny to think that 20 years ago, you had to dress in a particular way. Like you're almost going to an office to go out clubbing. It's just, it's weird. It's, it's so different now, isn't it? And, um, I think I kind of realized that more so being in spaces that I feel more kind of more comfortable. So in terms of the book, why now, why, why, why did you write it? And what was the kind of rationale behind it? I think particularly the conversations, um, that are happening right now, it's really important. Um, you know, there's lots of debates about, and we have certain alliances, um, yeah. which I won't mention, that mm-hmm. are trying to remove the the T from LGBT. And those mm-hmm. conversations weren't really happening to the same degree or intensity as they're happening right now. So actually, mm-hmm. it feels like it's at a strong moment. But when I first conceived of the book, it didn't from, come from a place of wanting to address those debates or, like, um, I guess, protect my identity and, and tell people, you know, what it is to be gay and trans. But it came from... A need. There is nothing else like this at the moment. Mm. The only book I can really think of that's nonfiction <clears throat> would be Lou Sullivan's. Um, we both laughed in, pre- in pleasure, <clears throat> which only came out well after I started conceiving the book. I think twenty twenty one, which is different. Again, it's it's diaries um, from the eighties and nineties uh, of Lou's life. So there is nothing really that encapsulates what it is to both be trans and gay. I think there's mm. memoirs and poetry and workbooks or whatever about what it is to be gay and the same for being trans, but nothing that really sort of explores those those bits in between. So I kind of felt, well, why not write from my experience? This is the book that I probably would have felt validating and hopeful um, and interesting mm. if I'd seen this come out a couple of years ago myself. So, and probably incredibly helpful in terms of understanding your own journey. And I'm sure it's going to help so many, so many people when they they read it. Um, I think one thing that really stuck with me, and obviously I don't have the experience of being a trans person, but I think being a queer person and how I identify changing over the years, some of the things that really stuck out with me, and I've written them down here, is just things about being queer enough, body image, um, are we gay enough, um, acceptance from the community, all of those kind of experiences that you wrote about. And I guess, I think that's kind of universal in the community. And I think that you've written it from a a perspective of being a trans gay man. But I think there will be so many people, regardless of how they identify in the community, reading this and understanding it, because I think that is, unfortunately, the world we're living in. When you've got things like dating apps and everything is so accessible and there's so much choice, I think you can be eradicated or or written off quite quickly. And the experiences of that can be really harsh. Um, So how important was it for you to kind of highlight your own personal experiences of that? Because I think so many people will just get it and they will, regardless of how they identify, they will relate. So what did that mean to you to kind of write about that? Yeah, it's interesting because every time I speak to someone who has read like an early copy or I've done an interview with, or maybe they're also trans and gay, um, 
they've related to very different aspects of it. And I mm. guess I didn't really realize, I mean, mm. I kind of had a hunch that these things would be universal to an extent to our yeah. experiences, but I always sort of had viewed them from my, my own viewpoint. So what mm. someone else might take from it is maybe something completely different, what I meant um, or how I experienced those things. But I hope that, you know, they're useful. I hope that my honesty, because I did want to be honest, like there's no point writing a, a nonfiction book, especially something where there isn't much on it, where it's not truthful or mm. doesn't be really vulnerable and doesn't like tell you the, the the intricacies of stuff that was going on in my head at the time. I just didn't think there was any point in doing that because it, it, it just wouldn't would be meaningless. So I hope people sort of see that and take comfort in the fact that they're maybe not alone or maybe there's a different experience. Um, yeah, I think that it's interesting about being gay enough because I've always, there's a whole question about being trans enough uh -huh. and I've never really felt like I haven't been trans enough. I've always been quite secure in that I know that I'm trans and this is the mm. path that I want to go. And having physically transitioned now, I feel like that's, you know, just m more affirming every day. It's like, I know, I know this is where I'm meant to be. But the being gay enough thing kind of, was an interesting question because I felt in my head like I was that, that this makes sense to me I'm happy in the spaces these are my friends and then my community but then being gay enough in terms of my body that was a mm -hmm. completely different thing and I and my hips wide enough does it do I feel gay enough if I don't have a penis or um if I can't fit into a jock strap properly or like all these different things um or if I haven't taken poppers or if I'm having anal sex or not these things that was kind of new for me to explore and I guess important to figure out in the book as well. Yeah, completely. And I think you're talking about things that like, we mentioned this on the podcast the other day, but you know, am I gay from having anal sex? Am I gay from, you know, I have this life, but I'm not doing what everyone else is doing or, and I, I, I just think it's so relatable regardless of where you are in your journey and however you identify, I think people will kind of get that. Talking about body image. I absolutely love the chapter, um, night, uh, the night in a shining jock strap, I think it was called. Mm, yes. Yeah. And your experiences of, of that and looking in the mirror. And again, it was just really beautiful. It was just like, because I, I'd read the journey that you'd been on and then to be in that space where you were like that love and acceptance for yourself and loving your trans body. I just, it was beautifully written and it was quirky and funny and vulnerable, but it was just lovely. And yeah, I, I think you've, you've really have just kind of, the book's exposing, but I think it's just so well done. And again, I think people will really relate to all of those aspects. And obviously talking about going swimming and going to saunas and, you know, inclusive spaces where trans people can go, but actually feeling nervous about those situations, you know, that will resonate with so many people because I guess that's a question in people's mind. Will I be accepted? Will I feel like the odd one out? And no one should feel like that. So to expose that and be honest about it, I think is a, is a really, really good thing. Yeah. I was nervous about doing that, especially like the sauna stuff, just because, you know, it, it's exclusively a male space. It's a space mm. that is taboo. It's a place to go and have sex. Um, so I was very nervous about including that because obviously my family might read it and things, but I, I it, the book isn't for my family, right? It's no. not for a palatable side of queerness. It's for, be real and it's for people who might need it and people who'd want the confidence um to do it and now i'm actually in a whatsapp group with other trans men who like to go cruising and go to saunas and that's amazing because i don't think individually we might have had the courage to do it um but together 
we kind of yeah don't feel like the only ones so that's it's your tribe isn't it your people your community that's that's really important yeah and i spoke to a lot of like cis guys as well about going to saunas and they said oh you know i wouldn't do that i'm really nervous and then actually you know some people don't want to go go to those spaces which is absolutely fine it's mm. no by no means like a, a, something that all gay people have to do but i think some others maybe were interested or are interested in doing it, but are really shy. Um, so, you know, going as a, as a group, as a group of, you know, four friends kind of gives you that power uh, mm. and just explore. Um, you don't even need to do anything. I mean, the first time I went to a sauna, like nothing happened. I just kind of wanted to be in that space because it was affirming to be a trans guy in an all male space. And I just kind mm-hmm. of was curious. Um, so, I yeah, love what you put at the end of that chapter, like you knew what the weather was going to be and all the headlines <laughs> were on the news. And so, <laughs> you yeah, I mean, that place was wild. Like I, I went in and just basically just watched the weather. But it, <laughs> it, it, I, I wasn't looking for sex, really. Like What what I was looking for it was just to explore a space that I didn't have access to. I completely um, agree. Yeah, I get so. that. I think, and what's really interesting, you obviously mentioned your parents. And again, I, I, I want to come on to that. And I haven't written this down, but we will talk about that because that I, chapter I found very emotional. I thought that was just really beautiful, um, your journey with your family. But going back to the book not being written for your parents, but it's so open about sex and about queer sex and, you know, trans sex and life. And I guess we mentioned this the other day on the podcast, but I think a lot of us grow up being ashamed of those things, those natural desires, those things we want to explore. So when you talk about the people that you've had conversations with who are cis and say, well, actually, I feel really uncomfortable and really shy – I do think that maybe sometimes that's just a genuine situation. However, I wonder how much of, you know, shame and kind of internalized kind of shame we hold on to, which prevents us from exploring the things that we really feel quite natural because of what we've been taught, what we've heard, what we've grown up, you know, like saunas and cruising, you know, in the 80s and 90s, oh, people being caught out, that was sleazy, all those kind of words that were associated with our community. So I think what you've done by being so frank and honest about sex in those spaces regardless of who reads it is you've kind of reclaimed that I guess in some way and you've made that okay to to have those conversations so do you feel that it's made you feel more sexually liberated and more comfortable with that discussion of sex as well I think so and I definitely had that shame it's not like I've you know grown up and just felt like this Mm. all the time there's Mm. had to do a lot of work to be able to be comfortable with it I think what's helped actually is my partner Liam used to work for a sexual health charity and so sex is something that we spoke about often not necessarily like in a sexual way either just like general sexual health Mm. um like yeah types of sex that people were having so that gave me kind of the confidence and language to be able to speak about it um, openly without mm-hmm. real any concern. Um, but well, growing up, sex wasn't something that people spoke about, especially not gay sex uh, no. in my family at all. Um, and I not, don't necessarily think that I wanted that either. No. Um, but now I think, you know, my parents are so bless them. I, they're just kind of so supportive of me. They don't necessarily want to read about my sex life, of course, but um, they're supportive that I'm speaking about it and that it's a need. And so, um, um, well, what was your, what was your, there was another question that I was. No, I, I, well, that was just about, you know, it, has it made you kind of, I guess, more liberated? And I guess you can answer that. But I think going on to your parents, that chapter you write in the letter and talking about, you know, being trans and your dad coming to see you straight away and it took your mum a few days, but just, you know, all of those things around them being there when you'd had your top surgery and the first piece people you saw were them and they joined Facebook groups to, around transparenting. And 
I, it was just beautiful. It's like there are so many people that won't have that, but it kind of gives you hope that actually there are people that will really support their kids, whether they're yeah. kids or adults through that journey and um i just thought that was really beautiful it, it, there's no question there but i just wanted to acknowledge that something i do want to say though which is really funny um is the other night when we were out outside and um we we're having a drink liam was standing next to me and i follow liam on twitter but i had no idea that that was your liam so no. i i kind of did from twitter but it didn't resonate there and because i was introducing everyone i almost went liam have you <laughs> You met Harry. <laughs> like, yeah, we know each other. <laughs> so I'm well. quite glad that that didn't happen. <laughs> that would have been a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> that was quite funny. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Um, I really want to talk about some of the the stories in the book and some of them which are, were, were great. We did mention this the other night, but um, can you talk about your first experience of pulling at the RVT and uh, the journey home, etc.? Because again, it just it really made me smile. Just it was just really honest, but really quirky and funny as well. So, can you talk about that? Yeah. So um, I'd heard about the RVT, the Royal Vauxhall Tavern, um, and how iconic it was. Like, I'm obsessed with queer history, and so it's one of those mm-hmm. places that, that pops up all the time um, as like a, a pilgrimage or like a haven in some way. So it serves nectar to your sense of self, mm-hmm. and the sort of the history is, you know, palpable to the um, the pillars that, that hold it up. So I wanted to go there. It's important that be my sort of first gay boy night out, mm. and ended up going to Ducky, which is no longer there, actually. It's, it's moved to the Eagle, but it was an amazing night. There was someone who was performing uh, like a set about Twiggy and almost like it didn't really matter who it was. Like the, the space was just buzzing. 
Yeah. And so I clocked eyes with a guy next to me who uh, was like ridiculously handsome, um, but not in like a traditional sort of James Bond kind of way, more like like a mullet and like glitter on uh, like cheekbones and and um, it was just gorgeous. Yeah. So we ended up like making out, and then as we were getting together, I had this like voice in the back of my head that wouldn't really allow me to enjoy it and the moment for what it was because I was thinking well when do I need to come out like uh, is he comfortable kissing someone that is trans that he doesn't know is trans because on dating apps I would have already have said that but in real mm-hmm. life you don't go up to people and go hi I'm trans um yeah yeah absolutely yeah um so I was like well you know it feels weird to do that and him for not know who I am fully mm-hmm. I guess I have feel like I have to explain that and I was kind of debating that in my head like do I have to should I or should I not and then that Mm -hmm. doesn't feel natural to me and then so as like the night went on I invited him back to mine and he said yes and then um which is great uh but then I was questioning like you know what point do you come out like in the cab you can't really like just say that then and then he's like oh awkward and you can't really get out on the Wembley bypass and then (laughs) at what at what point do you make yourself like really vulnerable like you don't want to do just before sex so it was yeah. kind of all this debates in my head and then um then i was like i just basically after we stopped kissing is like oh but by the way i'm trans and he was like oh yeah i i know i follow you on twitter <laughs> so <laughs> it kind of for me spoke about uh it was really interesting in terms of modern and contemporary uh yeah gay life in that actually it's quite small and people do recognize me and my partner from twitter and um that's really nice. That I didn't have to sort of explain myself um, yeah, yeah. as well. I just find it really funny. <laughs> I, I just, I loved the part as well when, again, you're kind of driving home and you're thinking, oh my goodness, this really expensive taxi. Like you're just going with it to West, like, like an 80 quid taxi ride or something. And then you turn around to speak to him and he's fallen asleep. And I was yeah. like, no, like he's paid for the taxi. You've gone through all of this. Please let something happen. And then obviously, you know, we don't go into detail, but we kind of, we get the, the sense that something did and it that's honest like you know i could absolutely like you know imagine this kind of like raunchy situation but the reality is you you you're out till 4 a.m you're tired like, you're tired yeah you know <laughs> and sometimes it is nice to just wake up next to someone and then maybe something will happen then but you know sometimes you do just like fall asleep and that that kind of that that's the reality i think yeah completely but you'd put yourself out there and you were like this was like your first night and then i was like no don't fall asleep like this is you know um but no it was it was a great story and yeah you're, you're so right that this the spaces or the kind of like with social media everyone kind of knows everyone or there's a link to someone isn't there so um it must be quite weird when someone goes oh yeah, yeah I, I, I follow you and it's a bit like oh okay right you obviously know a lot <laughs> about me already <laughs> yeah <laughs> one I thing mean, i'm sorry yeah i was just gonna say i think um i think it's, it's the nice thing in that sometimes you don't have to yeah. like, explain yourself, but also yeah, negatives. One thing I really want to touch upon, and, and I felt really cross when I was reading this as well, was about your experience in the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. So you'd obviously hooked up with someone, you needed the morning after pill because the condom had broke, and just the kind of reaction you were faced with and the need to explain yourself. Um, but having spoken to other trans people as well, from early stages of transition in terms of like, you know, assessments and all that kind of stuff. It just feels like it's really intrusive from word go, but then you've got situations like this that you'll then have to justify your existence and explain yourself. I just really want to talk about that and understand 
from your perspective, how that feels and how we can keep this conversation going so that this changes because people need to be informed. They need to be given the right advice and supporting people, but it just feels like there's a lack of education or a lack of awareness. And then it leaves people who are vulnerable to feel less than. And I got that from the book. So what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. um, For people who may not have read the book yet, I uh, yeah needed plan B. Um, the condom had broke. I um, trans men can get pregnant, which is something that I well, not not stupidly because we're not told the stuff. But mm. um, I was told when I was first uh, started taking testosterone that um, I'd be infertile, and that's just not true. Um, lots of trans men get pregnant, so I yeah needed plan B um, and went to a pharmacy to ask for it, which anyone uh, is entitled to do um, mm-hmm. if they are well if they say they're female. But if if you if you're able to get pregnant, then you should be able to have access uh, mm. to plan B and the morning after pill. So I went into a pharmacy and asked for it and was basically refused because I'm a man. And I said, well, I can get pregnant. And the pharmacy looked at me as if I was stupid or playing a prank. Mm. And that was, I mean, you're already in a really vulnerable position. You've gone into a public space. There's other mm-hmm. people in there um, asking for something and basically being refused care on the basis that your body seems like a joke to them or that it mm. couldn't possibly be real. Um, and I was infuriated and actually I was so angry writing it as well. It's a really difficult, um, it was a really difficult experience to go through. And I think for that reason, important to put in because it's something that even in the trans community, we don't speak about enough, often enough in terms of healthcare. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to touch on the violence of healthcare in terms of um, just how much trans bodies are just not considered. Mm-hmm. Um so in terms of changing it, I would really like to see a lot more education for healthcare professionals who are on the front line who maybe mean well, but don't have the education or the right language, um, or maybe they just don't even know that we exist. But the realities are that we deserve and uh, should have access to healthcare. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I had to fight tooth and nail to get it. I basically had to prove my transness by mm-hmm. uh, showing my my records and fight to be believed and um for a very like urgent pill i mean you're meant to take it within the first like 24 hours it was just incredibly distressing mm. and of course the hookup that i had then um yeah never spoke to me again i think it scared him um truthfully so it was yeah it was kind of horrible and all uh on all, to go all through sides. and then yeah. yeah, well, then the actual act as well. I mean, the the pill was pink. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, of course it is. Of course it's pink, yeah. yeah. Of course yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like pink stuff, but I was like, oh, this is, this is insufferable. <laughs> yeah. um, there's no need. And so yeah. uh, I, I took it. And then I don't speak about this in the book, but actually the realities of it was I had really painful cramps and just felt really sick on it. And that, again, was like for the next 24, 48 hours, just kind of, I don't lengthen that experience of just feeling like, I don't know, disgusted in myself, shamed. Um, yeah, all the things that sort of come with it. So it was a, it was a, it was a vile experience, but I'm mm. hoping that it will uh, change for other people in the, in the future. Do you think that if your experience at the pharmacy had been better, you wouldn't have felt like you talk about the shame and feeling, feeling, you know, quite poorly afterwards, obviously you would have had the physical effects, but you know, do you think that your experience would have been different in that regard? I think so. I think I wouldn't have felt like mentally as mm. um, drained and 
afraid. Um, yeah, I don't think, I mean, some of the shame will have been there because, I mean, you go in and you ask for plan B and it's like, oh, why didn't, why didn't you do more? I think there's a lot of pressure that's put on uh, people who, who can, um, become pregnant to like protect themselves more it's their fault or something like that so there will be still an element of it but the additional shame of being a man and also asking for this care uh i don't think would have been as severe no and i think you know regardless whether someone is fully educated on you know trans bodies or you know whether trans men can get pregnant it's not about being fully aware of everything it's just about being decent isn't it and kind and giving someone the time they deserve. If you've gone in there for a purpose and a reason, you know, you shouldn't have to feel like that. So I definitely think that, again, this is why these conversations in the book you've written are so important because we have to keep that going. One of the things that we talked about a few weeks ago on the live podcast was older care. And as a community, you know, um, what happens when gay men, trans men, trans women, gay women get older? You know, what what happens um, in terms of, uh, you know, elderly care in care homes or hospitals or people that may face dementia and that kind of stuff? And, you know, this is, again, this is, it's another completely different conversation, but it clearly is on people's minds. It's clearly something that people are concerned about. So I think it would be great just to keep seeing the conversation going and, to have more of an understanding around what is being done within services that are provided to help people in the community. Cause it's, I guess it's worrying and you've just highlighted a, you know, an experience of something that should have been so straightforward and so supportive as causing you so much distress. And that's just not okay. So um, I really felt for you when I, when I read that. I think with, with both of those things in terms of care for older people, but also care for people like myself, I think that is really a question of being believed. And mm. I think trans people, um, have to have to prove themselves constantly yeah. um like often we're not believed when we come out we're not believed we have to go through um dehumanizing questioning when we have like a, a diagnosis of gender dysphoria which is essentially like the medical process you have to go to through to transition and i guess when you're older as well and maybe you do have dementia or maybe um you know you're accessing hormones and things it's like well you know do we need this do we have to give it to you mm, um mm. so you're constantly having questions about like is is this real is your mm-hmm. body real like, do you actually feel like that? I, I don't know it's i think they kind of speak to the same same thing but i think for older yeah. i used to work for a, a charity called opening doors which uh, was for lgbtq people over 50s to run their trans group there and there were lots of concerns there about um going into care homes and being respected and um, having you know, being made sure that you'd have the uh, medication that you needed, but also things like wills and, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you if your family are estranged and that kind of thing um, were a real concern as well. So I think, you know, and if you don't have a gender recognition certificate, uh, which is like, a ridiculous process to go through, then, you know, then you die in the name that you were born at, but not but yeah. not live with. So there are loads mm-hmm. of different concerns there. And, and it basically, in essence, comes down to, process and yeah. being believed and it's it's i mean there's so much in the news about it at the moment isn't there and it's just it's it just seems like it's such a hard process for trans people to have to go through and yeah we've, we've got to keep talking about it i think it's really really important um something that i really really related to was lockdown i think everyone <laughs> listening to this will relate to this but obviously you talked about your diary being filled up and lots of dates and you were out more times than you were in, in the house. Cause you were always dating or hooking up or trying to keep yourself busy. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um, 
I think what I really got from that chapter as well is obviously you, you know, you started your relationship with, with Liam at a distance and then there was a bit of tennis and chat and all that kind of stuff. But lockdown was a place for everyone to face their stuff. I think I certainly felt that like there was nowhere to run. Like you were in your house, you had those God awful updates every day about the the state of the country you're working from home. You don't leave the four walls. If you do, it's to go to the supermarket or for a walk. So it makes you kind of face your things. But obviously, things evolve from that. And I definitely feel that my life has improved so much from that experience. Like, even reading about lockdown, it felt like, in your book, it felt like a different time. Like, did we really go through that? And we did. You know, it was a really hard time. But it's quite easy when you then get on the other side of it and you start living a normal life again and you socialize and you have physical contact that you forget what that experience was like. But yeah, essentially, I really related to that because so much of my life has changed since then. So do you now look back on that time, although as hard as it was at the time, with a sense of fondness in it was absolutely what you needed? Or I mean, yeah, I mean, can you take a positive from an actual dire situation, I guess, is the question. Yeah, regrettably, I can, because I know for a lot of people, it was an awful experience and they lost family and, Mm. um, you know, people were dying every day with no hope. And that was that was awful. But for me personally, um, I was going through a really difficult time just before lockdown happened as you say my diary was filled I was perpetually going on dates not because I actually liked people but because I didn't want to be at home um I was struggling with sex addiction and just lockdown stopped that it, mm. it, it had to um there was no question I those spaces weren't even open even if I did want to do it so um so that gave me thinking time and that was really hard like to be able to to just look at the walls and have nothing was was hard so it helped me I guess, reevaluate what I wanted to do, where I wanted to be, what my, you know, I could explore queerness, I guess, online. But yeah, it just gave me the opportunity to just chill a bit and learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, out of that came a really lengthy sort of FaceTimes with my partner now, Liam. And weirdly, we did everything the other way around. Like mm. we had, you know, long face like FaceTime messages and would, you know, do voice notes into the early hours and things. And then it was, it was only until like a year after we started dating that we went to the cinema for the first time. So oh. it kind of felt like, a, yeah, I guess an older version of like love letters. And that was a really, um, a really nice thing that came out of objectively a horrible experience for everyone. But I feel very lucky to have, um, yeah, to have found some positives at, at that time. Amazing. I think um, it's funny when you talk about the old school way, um, because that's how I met my other half. So we became friends and then we dated and then it turned into a relationship. And I, I don't know that, that, that time you're talking about it, as you say, it's very, very old school, but you really get to know people and you get to, I guess there's nowhere to run. So we are just being frank and honest and, this is how I feel today, or this is today's been shit, or this day's been great, or whatever. And then you're really getting to know that person's character. So I think that sounds like a really lovely way to to have met someone. And you're engaged right now, is that? I'm engaged, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Have you planned the wedding, or is that kind of soon? Or Well, everyone kind of asks, oh, what's, what's next for you? And they mean in terms of writing, and I just say, like, I need to get married <laughs> to oh. my wonderful fiancé. Um, so we haven't planned anything yet. We're, the book's just kind of taken up most of my time, so he's sort of patiently, uh, bless him, uh, waiting for the right time to sort of plan things. Um, 
but yeah, I'm very excited very excited about it. That's it's, amazing. He just comes across as such a lovely, I mean, I didn't really get to speak to him. I said hello on, on Monday, but just how you've written about him, he just sounds so lovely and supportive. And yeah, I guess it's a, a lovely, a lovely ending to, um, to a beautiful book. And I guess it, it, you know, it gives people hope because I think there are a lot of people that regardless of where they're on their journeys, when they're going through a tough time, you don't see, um, it's hard to see the positives. So when, you read something, I think like that, it kind of gives you that sense of, ah, oh, things may be difficult, but actually there's always a way forward or there's a way of discovering who you are personally or meeting someone or, you know, whatever the case may be. So I thought that was a really, really lovely way to, to end the book. I mean, there's, there's, you know, this idea of like T for T, which is trans people dating other trans mm-hmm. people. And of course, like, you know, I've been in those situations as well. And I think there's a lot of power in it. And, but I didn't really want to limit myself just to other trans people because the idea is that you'll come from similar experiences. But mm-hmm. I don't think that anyone's trans experience, especially at the moment, is, well, they can be similar in some ways, but they're definitely not the same. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of didn't really gel with the idea that another trans person would know me more intimately than a cis person. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to, um, I guess, like narrow down the options that I, mm-hmm. that I had and Liam has been, I mean, I, I think I write in the book, he worked with trans people in, in his role um, and he was definitely supportive, but he didn't really understand the nuances and complexities either. So going, um, yeah, it's been, he's just the most supportive, most wonderful person. That's amazing. But there's one point where you, you, he asked you a question and he says, you, you have a really open conversation about is, are there any fears he has when he worries and, and you just say to him, you just need to listen. And I think that's a message that, again, that's a universal message for everyone, regardless of relationship status. Like if someone needs support, someone needs to just talk sometimes, people just need to listen. And by doing that, it's powerful. The person feels heard, we keep the conversation going, and then education is kind of the result of that, isn't it, I guess? So I really yeah. thought that was I great. I mean, that's always the question, isn't it? It's like, what more can I do? And sometimes mm. being there is enough. Yeah. Um, sometimes you just need to process things on your own, but you know, being there for a cuddle or... Mm-hmm. You know, that 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 sometimes is enough absolutely um, yeah. yay it's lovely um so launch day any big plans do you know what i'm gonna go get my hair cut nice <laughs> I'm excited about um <laughs> yeah so my partner liam's away at the moment but he'll be back tomorrow so we are planning to go to brand to a couple of bookshops and sign nice. some bits go out for some dinner and then i've got like a whole tour planned um over the summer Mm-hmm. Um, we try to spread it out as much as possible to get to get to people at different times. But uh, yes, it's it's very exciting, and I'm just every every time I have a conversation with someone about the book or um, you know speak to someone about it, there there are different things that they get from it. So it's really nice to hear. Um, yeah. And also, it blows my mind that people have actually read it. Like I know it exists, but then when they're talking <laughs> about very specific bits, I'm like, oh, I, I forget that people it's are quite humbling. Reading. I guess. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so yeah. And also the weirdest thing is that sometimes I, because I wrote it a year ago, not really looked over it since the edits, um, in that much detail, there are some bits that I forget as well that people bring up. So I'm like, like, oh yeah, oh, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and next Friday you've got the, um, launch or a big event at the RVT in London. Yeah. So are you excited about that? Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, so that's, yeah, the Royal Vauxhall Tavern on 26th from 6.30. Uh, it's sold out, but there might be some free tickets if people can't make it. Um, there'll be me, Dishy Sumac, who's a drag king performing, and Adam Smith, uh, who's also an author and writes about queer lives and poppers. Uh, so I'll be speaking about that, doing a Q&A with Pink News with Ryan Butcher, and I think it'll just be a great Amazing. celebration 
of the book and queerness in general. So I'm very yeah. excited for it. Well, seriously, everyone needs to go out and get this book. And, you know, I think we mentioned the other day, you know, obviously it's available on, you know, the big kind of websites, but local bookshops, there's loads of great bookshops out there that will be stocking this book. Um, so check out your local bookshop and go and get it. But congratulations. It really was just so amazing to read. And I'm so grateful for your time today. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm going to cough again. Grateful for your time today. And also for your time on Monday as well. I really enjoyed the conversation about queer sex. So just thank you for everything. I really appreciate it. Brilliant. And to you. Thank you, Angie. No worries. Speak soon. I really hope you enjoyed the show. Please share the podcast, give it a five-star review if you'd like, and leave any comments you may have. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok for all the latest updates on Queer I Am, the podcast. Also, check out my website, www.fluiactually.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.